Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 16th of April 2017, entitled Making Our Church a Great Church, Part 6. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 33. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Preaching will always exalt the Savior. It will lift Jesus Christ. It will magnify Him that He's the one that's seen and not man. Great preaching will edify the saints. And we know that sometimes, sometimes that's reproving, sometimes it's rebuking, sometimes it's exhorting, but great preaching is God's Word that will edify us, that will build us up, that will make us stronger, that will make us more like Him. The preaching must exalt Jesus Christ, and it must edify the saint to be more and more like Him. And though it's not really something that most people cheer about, great preaching will expose sin. The sinner must know that he's a sinner. They must know. If Jesus is being exalted... If the saints are being edified, the sinner needs to know his condition and know that Jesus Christ is his only answer. And then we said a great church must have great power. The verse that's before you this morning, and with great power. We looked at the source of that power, the power that they had to wait upon. A lot of people have a lot of ideas of what the Holy Spirit is and how it works. The Holy Spirit is God. It is God in the person living within us, dwelling within us. The only source of that power is Him. And the only way to sustain that power is by you and I being continually filled, yielding ourselves to Him, giving ourselves to Him, Him having control of our lives, Him doing with us what He would. And at that point, at that point, originally I'd planned to go the next part of this verse. (laughs) But with Easter coming up, (laughs) I thought it best to leave that one. And we looked. Two weeks ago during the baptismal service, we looked at the fact that a great church will face great persecution. Everybody loves that one. (laughs) We love to be persecuted, don't we? Why will a great church be persecuted? Because a great church is going to have great faith. I mean, they're going to believe. That anything is possible with God. That nothing is impossible with Him. Our faith is not just to save us, but that we live by it day by day by day. And not only great faith, but great fervor. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the Word of God with boldness, we saw. They weren't ashamed. They proclaimed it. Then we looked last week that a great church is made up of great people. And you know, great people are able to put themselves out of the way because we saw in this church that it was a love one for another. Loving the others. Caring about the others. It wasn't some made up, you know, smile on their face and some fake hug and all these things. I mean, they genuinely, what they had, they didn't consider it their own. They considered it everybody else's that needed. Of course, most people's more worried about getting what everybody else has got than giving away what they've got. A great church will have great people. With a great love one for another, a longing one for another. They really look forward to being together. I know. That means 
they might actually want to be here for Sunday morning Bible study and for Sunday morning worship and for Sunday evening worship and for Wednesday evening prayer meeting, just longing to spend time together. Of course, we think sometimes that's hard, but we're pretty lax because we read in the Bible, man, they were with each other every day. When they weren't in church, they were in each other's house. A great church. A great church is a loving church. And God's agape love is always a giving love. It's never a taking love. But I want us to back up just a little bit today. Because this verse before us says so much, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. <laughs> it's what this day is all about that we are here for today. It's kind of ironic that we, we looked in scriptures where that they were commanded. They were commanded to wait. They were commanded to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, to be upon them so that they could accomplish the work that needed to be done. We find that if we look back into the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, in preparing them for what's taken place here in the first church that we read about in Acts, back when the commission was being given back in Luke chapter 24, we find in verse 44, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, that every word that God has ever given you, has ever prophesied to you about me, will and must be fulfilled. And then he goes on, the Bible says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Now, what's that punctuation mark in your Bible next? Comma. Doesn't finish there. He opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, Everything that's written must be fulfilled. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day because God planned it. God wrote it. God said it was going to happen. That's why Christ died. That's why He rose the third day. He did it all. He finished that job as we talked about earlier. But notice in your Bible, the sentence doesn't stop there either. There's a colon in your Bible and that sentence keeps going that Jesus Christ would die on the cross, that He would rise again the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do we grasp and understand today not belittling what Jesus Christ did when He hung and died upon that cross? And there is nothing because I want to show you in just a minute that without the resurrection we have nothing. But do you know this? That though He died, and though He rose the third day, the job wasn't finished. His job was finished. But He left and He left it to us that we would be witnesses to this whole world. Because the Bible tells us in another place, it doesn't matter that Jesus died. It doesn't matter that He rose the third day if nobody knows about it. What difference does it make? 
that he paid the greatest price that could be paid, what difference does it make that with all of those religions out there and they've got their graves to go to and their people to pay homage to, that we've got an empty tomb? Because as we sing, we serve a risen Savior, praise God. But it doesn't matter if they don't know it. You see, the church at Jerusalem was a great church because with great power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with God working within them, gave those apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if we're going to witness anything, you see, they were a great church because they had a great promise. The greatest of promises. Because He lives, we live. I've said it time and time again. Those apostles gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That great power with which they witnessed. The re- that was the last thing Jesus told them to do. Matter of fact, He put it in the same context that everything that He did He did it because it was planned, because God the Father had written it down. God had said this is the way it was going to be. We read in other places, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God in all of His triunity. They planned redemption before the first act of creation was ever made. He knew it'd mess up. He knew it'd all be sinners. But He had the plan in place. And you see, those Old Testament saints, they had the same promise that you and I had. Their promise was a Jesus Christ, a Messiah that was coming. That's why, praise God, when he died on that cross in those three days that he lay in that grave, he wasn't even laying there then. The Bible says before he ascended first, he descended into the lower parts. And he went there to set those captives free. Those Old Testament saints, they had to look to the same Messiah The same sacrifice. Nobody's ever been saved aside from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Him paying the penalty and praise God, Him getting the victory over death. He did. He did. You and I today, just as God planned it and wrote it, and Jesus accomplished all that He came to accomplish, He left you and I. You know, I love that verse. I've said it to you so many times. In Romans chapter 14, when he is preparing to leave, he tells them not to let their hearts be troubled. (laughs) They believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He's coming again for us, praise God. But down just a few verses later, he says, greater works than these shall ye do Because I go into the Father. (laughs) Greater, whoa, (laughs) greater works than Jesus. Why? Because with great power, because Jesus Christ working through you, not just with one limited body that he came to hang on the cross and to die in, but through everyone that would come to put their faith and trust in him. That same Jesus, he is alive today, and he's alive in you. And that's the great power that we can give witness of the resurrection. And if we're going to be a great church, if we leave that out, we may as well leave it all out. There is no other hope, and great grace was upon them all. (laughs) For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. There is no other way of salvation. It's all by grace. 
It's not by what we do. It's by what He did for us. We don't deserve it. There's only one path, one road, one way to get there, and that's faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's only by believing Him that we can make our way to the cross. The old songwriter said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what language you speak, what color your skin is. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You see, you've got to go to the cross before you can get to the tomb. You've got to die before you can rise again. Don't ask me to explain it. I know one of the greatest wonders in the world is that somehow when I humbled and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that then, right then, I died over 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ when he was on that cross. I died with him, the Bible says. And when he rose from that grave, I rose with him, praise God. Victory over the death. It's done. It's a sealed deal. Nobody can snatch me from his hand. Because I'm in mean, Jesus Christ. With great power. Gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. You'll never get saved apart from Jesus Christ dying and rising again the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've got to give you these things and I'll give them to you quick. But I want to just share these simple thoughts with you this morning as we celebrate this resurrection Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. Praise God. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, He was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, the some are fallen asleep. After that, He was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, He was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. Let him not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, <laughs> by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. What difference does it make whether it's me preaching it or somebody else preaching it? I can promise you I've never been jealous of this pulpit. If somebody else could come in here and preach the same message and use the same verse, and it'll get to your heart better than I did. Praise God. It's that God can get through to you. Paul said, it don't matter. It's the same gospel. That's what saved us all. It doesn't matter who gave it to you. It's what you received that made the difference. But listen, he says, now... If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If, if Jesus Christ, if we're preaching that he rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? When we die, that's it. There's nothing beyond that. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus couldn't have rose. <laughs> and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ. Whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. All those that went before us. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Literally could be translated pitiable. We are sure a group, a lot of people to be pitied. If the only hope that we have is the hope that we have in this life, thank God. That's not the only hope that we have. We have a hope that is way beyond this. You see, some writers have stated that the doctrine of the resurrection is the most important doctrine, the most important teaching, the most important truth in all of the Word of God. Well, you can't place more importance on any one part than the other because it's all Him, but I can tell you this for certain. If you don't believe in a literal bodily Jesus Christ that died on the cross that rose again, and that literal bodily Jesus Christ is coming back for us one day, then you're part of some other faith than me. You can't be part of the Christian faith and believe anything else. You see, think of this. The Christian faith, he says here that they which also are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. We have no hope for those that have gone before us. And if it's only in this life that we have hope, he said back up there in verse 14, if Christ be not risen, then is your preaching vain and your faith is also vain. May I say, without the resurrection, then whatever it is that you are calling your faith is without value. May I tell you, it's worthless. It's not worth any... Pre Our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. None of it has any value whatsoever. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then he's still dead. And if we're placing our hope in a dead Savior, then we have no hope. You see, Jesus Christ is alive. That's why we have a living faith. That's why we have a hope today. And I can't put it any simpler, any plainer than and without it, without a risen Christ, whatever you have, you can call it what you want. You can go to church as many times as you want. You can read whatever you want to read. You can do whatever you want to do. You can pay whatever penance you want to pay. But it is worthless. We said this morning at the sunrise service that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the cornerstone of our faith. Without it, there's nothing to build upon. But it's also the capstone. If you take away the capstone, the rest comes crumbling down. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have nothing to build upon. And if anything is built without that, it will come crumbling down without value. But he also says a little stronger in verse 8, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. 
You take away the literal bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're just pushing a false religion because we're telling everybody that He died and that He rose again and that their hope is in that. We're just a bunch of liars. Passing a false religion that's just as bad and just as deadly as all of those out there if there be no risen Savior. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9 says, I marvel, Paul writing to the church at Galatians, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. <laughs> I marvel. He's talking to people that knew the truth, that have been saved, and yet he's just absolutely astonished at the fact that they could be moved away from that truth after what it's done for them. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. If anybody. If anybody tries to tell you there is any other way, any other way to have a relationship with God, to go to heaven, to have your sins forgiven, any other way except Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising again the third day, the Bible says, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. We find that the word translated pervert here literally means turn across to corrupt something. We can't change what God has given us. Jesus said, everything that I've done, I've done because that's exactly how God said it. I've accomplished exactly how He said it to that T, and now it's your responsibility to do the same thing. To do exactly what God has told you to do. Let Him be a curse. Literally be excommunicated not even have a part in the family of God. It's such a critical thing. Folks, I'm telling you, without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, any kind of faith, any kind of religion that you might have, it's without value. It has no value. And it's without virtue because it's just a lie. There's no virtue found there. And I promise you this. <laughs> Verse 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. It's without value. It's without virtue. But it's without victory. We have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus didn't rise, then His sacrifice was not sufficient for sin. We don't have victory over sin. We don't have victory because... The wages of sin is death. We have no victory over death unless the sin has been dealt with. The sin debt is still due. Death is still there. I remember either reading or hearing somewhere that one of the most staggering statistics on death I mentioned this morning at the sunrise service, they're batting a thousand. Death never misses. You see... One out of every one person dies. Nobody misses it. 
It is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. We die, but that's not the end. We don't lay there just in that grave till one day the worms carry us away to wherever they take us. No, we're going to one day stand before God. And we're going to face God. And you know, it does. I, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that you better wise up. You better be honest with yourself. God created you from nothing. He were, you are accountable to God. God knew that you would sin, so He's done everything that was necessary that your sins could be wiped out because sin can only bring death. Separated from God. How many times do you hear me say it here because it seems like that people try to make it so hard. Life was given to us from God. God is the only place. All life comes from God. It is only with God that life can exist. When we are separated from God, which sin separates us from God, the only other course is death. You can't live without God. Death is the natural consequence. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We find that Jesus Christ gives us the victory. It's only in Him that we have the victory. But I want to give you this. Man, I could preach all day and we could just go on till, till next Sunday, but you wouldn't appreciate that. You see, it's Resurrection Sunday. Without the resurrection, we would be a pitiable people. Without the resurrection, because you take the resurrection away, there's no value. There's no virtue. There's no victory. But you know what? There's no vision. Verses 18 and 19, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. We said this morning, even as we gather today, there are many of you just like myself. People have gone on from this world that we'll never forget. They'll always live on in our hearts because of that special place. We said many times that that's part of love. You can't love without hurt. If you don't care, it doesn't matter when you lose something. It only matters because you care deeply. The more you love, the more it hurts when you lose that love. But the Bible says, without the resurrection, those which are falling asleep, those that have gone on before us, they've just perished. There's no way they can come back without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Without the resurrection, folks, there's also no vision. There is no future. There is nothing more beyond this. This life is it. That's why we're a people to be pitied. If that's all we have, is what we have in this life. Because without the resurrection, we're just a doomed people with no hope for any future. Whatever years that we chalk up here, that's it. It's only because of the resurrection that we can have great hope. You see, we have victory over sin, and because we have victory over sin in Jesus Christ, we have victory over death. So we don't have to be afraid. Nobody can take that from us. That's why we have a future. That's why we can have vision for what's before. I have a vision of one day walking those streets of gold, walking one day 
with those that have gone on, with my dad, with your dad, Trudy, with your children and your parents and your family, your wife, Brother Peter, those that we love so dearly that we miss so much in this life. I have a vision, praise God, that one day I'll walk with them hand in hand once again down the streets of glory, praise God. Only because of the resurrection. Why is it so hard for us to grasp that? It's all about Jesus. You know, I don't care if we're ever a great church in man's eyes. But we can be a great church. We may not have the biggest numbers in town. May not have the fanciest building. May not have a lot of the things. But we can be a great church. And if we're going to be a great church, it won't be just one Sunday a year that we're celebrating the resurrection. But we celebrate the resurrection all of the time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me ask you this this morning as Maurice makes her way to the piano. We're going to stand. We're going to sing in just a moment. Let me ask you this simple, simple question this morning. You see, it's not really in doubt that Jesus was on this earth over 2,000 years ago. History will tell you that if you don't believe the Bible. History will tell you that he was crucified, the horrible death that he faced. Now, history won't tell you that he rose the third day, but yet not one of those has ever been able to prove or find that. Every one of these apostles that with great power gave witness to the resurrection, they believed it so much that it cost them their lives. John was stuck on the Isle of Patmos. The rest of them were killed for their faith because they believed it. The question this morning is not whether it was, but do you believe it? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus did it all for you. But this morning, have you ever accepted that truth personally? God has given you the greatest gift in all the world, life, a life everlasting. But you have to accept it. Today, if you're here and you don't know with absolute certainty that you have the victory that can be yours over sin, over death, over your enemy Satan. You don't know that with absolute certainty. Nobody looking around. Would you slip your hand up and say, would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you, but I sure would like to pray. Do you care enough about your life now and eternity that you would say, pray for me? I don't have that certainty. And I would really appreciate your prayers. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone? Anywhere? Do you know the risen Lord that we're talking about today? Do you know the risen Savior personally? He knows you. He loves you. He loves you so much he died for you. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Maybe you've got doubts. Maybe you've got questions. But you care enough to say, pray for me, that I can find the right answers. Anyone? Anywhere. God bless you. God sees that hand. Anyone else? 
I want to pray for you right now. Father, you've seen the hand that was raised. More than that, you've seen the hearts of everyone here. We're going to sing a closing hymn right now, Lord, and during the singing of this hymn, we're giving an invitation. We're here. We can't save. Nobody walking down the aisle can be saved just because they walk down the aisle, but Lord, we're here today to take your word, to answer questions, to pray, to help those who would have a desire. And so I pray right now as we sing this final hymn, work in the hearts as only you can. If there are those here today that need to do business with you, give them the strength, give them the courage, help them, Lord, not to be defeated by Satan once again here today and walk out those doors back there still lost. Help them to humble themselves. Admit that they're a sinner. Admit that Jesus Christ is their only hope. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.